Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technologies, ATRA, Sustainable Agriculture Program, with support from the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service. Hi, I'm Heather Lingle with NCAT. Thank you for joining us. In this podcast, Justin Duncan, Agriculture Specialist at NCAT Southwest Regional Office in San Antonio, Texas, has a conversation with Lois Kim, Vice President of Public Relations and On-Farm Research Coordinator for Plantation Produce Company Farms, or PPC Farms, in the Rio Grande Valley of South Texas. In this episode, you'll hear how PPC Farms is transitioning its 1,500-acre operation from conventional to organic farming. Lois talks about some of the new practices they've adopted, such as the use of cover crops, companion planting, and the many benefits that these practices bring. But before we get started, it's worth pointing out that there are melons that Lois refers to as weeds in the podcast. These are cucumis mellow that self-selected in Texas cotton fields and are now found all across South and East Texas. They are affectionately known as smell melons. Let's listen. Hey, this is Justin Duncan with NCAT, and I'm here with Lois Kim of PPC Farms, and she's going to tell you a little bit about herself and what she does. Hello, my name is Lois Kim. Um, I am Vice President of Public Relations as well as On-Farm Research Coordinator here at PPC Farms. It's a 15,000, no, 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 1,500 acre uh conventional and organic farm in South Texas and over the years we were able to convert most of it to organic so far and we're going to keep doing it until we're 100% organic. So one of the things with organic or converting to organic is is the use of cover crops. I I personally love cover crops but what do you what benefits do you see from growing cover crops? So as we have transitioned to organic growing we are limited in our ways uh, where we combat the pests as well as weeds. And uh, for the pests, we are doing integrated pest management, but for the weeds, we didn't know what to do other than just uh, keeping the field clean by mowing it down. But we found out that through the use of cover crops, we can do several different things. And one of them, we're finding out is the cover crops will compete with the existing wheat seeds and when the wheat seeds germinate they are not able to grow properly because of the cover crops just shading them over or competing with them. So in the past um, two years that we have been involved with it we are seeing, starting to see the, the benefits. Okay, so what, what are some of the weeds that you that you have to fight against? So here we uh, we have sunflower, it's very, it's all over the place, sunflower, pigweed, uh, parthenium, and silver leaf nightshade. And then all, you all also have those, uh, those melons too, right? Yes, the little melons that creep all over the place. Right, we, th- we think of sunflowers and melons as, as crops, you know, mm. things that people, people grow, but down here in the, uh, in the uh, Rio Grande Valley, it's... Those are the weeds. Yes. We want to get rid of those things. The little sunflowers are not that pretty. We're not talking about those sunflowers with huge dials, you know, the faces with edible seeds. These are tiny flowers, smaller than half of your hand. All right. And they're very, very aggressive. Very, very. 
All right, so how does what you see here in the Rio Grande Valley differ from other parts in the country where you've seen cover crops grown? So I didn't even know about cover crops until uh, I came into farming. But once I learned about cover crops, I started to do some research online because I don't know of any other area where people farm. I'm from a city. I grew up in city all my life. And uh, looking, it looks like if you are doing, if you're farming grains like corn or wheat or those kind of things, cover crop can be more easily integrated into your system. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the feeling that I'm getting. And also all the different uh, techniques of low-till and no-till is more geared toward those type of farming. We are vegetable farmers, um, and, and not only that, we have moved away from monoculture, and now we're doing polyculture in all our fields. And, and what works for some other people is not really, might not be working for us. So that's, that's what we're trying to find out. Okay, so you mentioned grain farmers and, and uh, no-till and, and all that. Not a lot of, of do you see a lot of uh, no-till or, or grain production here in the valley, or is that, that something that that's probably in some other area? I think it's mostly in the YouTube world or where I haven't visited, but I know of a few farmers down here who are trying the no-till. They're doing cover crops and then they purchase crimpers to knock it down. But since they are not organic farmers, they will probably just use the herbicide to kill their cover crop. Okay. So uh, what, what weeds do you think, have, uh, think cover crops have been best at suppressing so far? So each field is different. So one year the same field would have a lot of sunflowers and then the following year it would have something else. So it's always a mystery what's going to be my enemy that, that particular year. So I cannot really say what has been my best weapon. Okay. But, I mean, we've got, we've got your, your research and development field. What, what did you see um, in, in there? Well, last year we did some sorghum um, Sudan grass. And... And then we, it was a, during summertime, and we planted as a cover crop in one of the fields. And it didn't seem like it was thriving that much, but anyway, following that season, we planted our vegetables and onions in that same field. And we noticed, and it, we weren't even expecting it, but after maybe a month into production, just one day, uh, one of my uh, colleagues noticed, hey, there are many weeds in this field compared to his other fields. So a light bulb went up in, in his mind and he kind of became a believer. But we can't just trust one incident, so we want to see if it can be replicated uh, following season. So we're very excited because we have several fields full of cover crops this, this summer. So when we follow that with um, our cash crop in the fall, we're going to find out whether it's really working or not. Okay, good deal. Um, are there other reasons besides weeds um, that you've you've seen to use cover crops? Yes. Um, so I'm not talking about our farm, but we did farm in another location in the past, 
and they were doing monoculture for several years and even though it wasn't chemically dependent they just kind of overworked the soil to the point I think it was everything inside that that soil was dead so we had soybeans as cover crop one year and despite our proper inoculation they were not not nodulating they were not nodulating and then we and whatever else we grew in that farm were not growing we we had a terrible time and at initially we thought it was because our farming methods were wrong or we were poor farmers but eventually we found out that the soil was so depleted you cannot be successful there especially as an organic grower so that's when I started to think well you know we need to start doing something to turn that around and cover crop is one one way so for soil building soil building of okay. course mm-hmm. organic matter building and also having the soil covered at all times so that whatever is underneath that ground and they need they need food too from the sun so we need to have it covered whether it be cash crop or cover crop I think the soil needs to be covered at all times right that's very, that's very important mm-hmm. um, so what what would a producer in the Rio Grande Valley need to know um, before they uh, start implementing uh, cover crops when we started to implement it we didn't know how it was going to be done whether it, whether how much it was going to cost those things are important so I think if I were to do it all over again I would want to know exactly how much it's going to cost to to have a cover crop and it'll be nice to hear from other farmers in our area whether it worked or not and how it worked because hearing about from another region or from a different type of uh, producer is not really going to convince me or help me I need to hear from farmers who are growing the same thing that I'm growing in the area that I'm growing in now you mentioned earlier uh, a roller crimper have you seen those uh, as a successful way to terminate cover crops down here or well last time when I went to a field day it didn't seem like it was working 100% right. mm-hmm. yeah I, I haven't seen roller crimpers work very well um, in my experience either but I, I was I was using them a little bit further north of here mm-hmm. and for some reason when we hit it with the roller crimper those those uh, cover crops they just kind of smiled and shook it off right. and, and kept growing so yeah that's that's a very important difference in in our region ver- versus other regions mm-hmm. in other region in regions they roll out the roller crimper and it actually kills the cover crops mm-hmm. so are there some other practices besides cover cropping that you think would be uh, would be beneficial down here in the Rio Grande Valley I think uh, just moving away from monoculture somehow for everybody and increasing diversity in their own fields or or maybe companion planting or something so that it's not just all one kind because I think that's just going to be damaging in the long run. Oh. Now, you, you mentioned companion planting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we, we saw in, in one of your research and development fields that lady beetles were everywhere. Mm-hmm. They were just covering covering the crops mm-hmm. so um, 
yeah, I, I think companion planting is is uh, is pretty important, mm -hmm. and y'all have tried that on some other fields, right? Yes, yes, seems to work. Um, all the IPL, the integrated pest management things that we've been trying, seems to be working. The push, the pull, the border, um, we we like that, so we are incorporating that method to all our fields. All right, so that's you. You've just heard Lois Kim and her her opinions. If you have any questions, you could always email Justin. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you for listening to Atra Voices from the Field. Depending on the platform you're listening on, if you can, be sure to rate us and leave a review or comment. For more information on this topic, you can contact Justin Duncan directly at justind at ncat.org. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-D at N-C-A-T dot O-R-G. In the notes below, you'll find links to ATRA resources and publications related to organic farming. Please call ATRA with any and all of your sustainable agriculture questions at 1-800-346-9140 or email us at askanag at ncat.org. That's A-S-K-A-N-A-G at N-C-A-T dot O-R-G. Our two dozen specialists can help you with a vast array of topics, everything from farm planning to pest management, produce to livestock, and soils to aquaculture. You can get in touch with them and find our other extensive and free sustainable agriculture publications, webinars, videos, and other resources at ATRA's website at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org. We'll catch you next week, and until then, keep on farming.